Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of these, your faithful, gathered here out of love for you. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In her book, Encountering God, Diana Eck describes the way the church functioned in the Middle Ages, and that would be have been between the 5th century and uh, sometime in the 11th century. In many ways, that part of history uh, was very bleak. It was considered the Dark Ages. Rome had been sacked and its empire had been destroyed. Food was scarce and people had to scrape to get by. People were starving and uh, illness prevailed. But one bright spot was happening in the world, in Europe particularly. It was that every small town uh, built a local cathedral. And that local cathedral became the cultural, social, and spiritual epicenter of each small town. So in these dark ages, some of the most beautiful cathedrals were built. And the stained glass that filled their windows ensured that even people in this time who were illiterate could learn the stories of their faith through pictures. At Pentecost uh, was particularly an important day in the life of the church, as it should be, that it is the birth of the church, but, and it is when the Holy Spirit comes. But in these small cathedrals all over Europe, it was, I mean, the cathedrals were actually built for this celebratory Sunday. Um, you see, on Pentecost Sunday, some people would climb up into the rafters and go out on the roof. And at the appointed time, they would release live doves through the trap doors of the roof of the cathedral, uh, living symbols of God's Holy Spirit, right? And at the same time, choir boys who were up in, in, the, in, the, in the front part of the church would howl and bang drums, and the trap doors would open again, and rose petals would drift down as symbols of the fire coming down onto the uh, people who were worshiping. And in the midst of this hard existence where people would work and have very little to show for it, you can only imagine that this sort of extravagance and drama felt like a miracle. A reminder that when God comes into the church, something surprising almost always happens. Something beautiful almost always happens. Wonderfully unexpected almost always happens. And you thought, thought that our little tabletop fire was fancy. <laughs> when we hear the biblical story of Pentecost, it begins with a community of disciples there was an estimated 120 followers that were meeting in that upper room <clears throat> in Jerusalem. And that's interesting because in the Jewish tradition, it was 120 people who were considered to make up a community, a synagogue. And so there they are. And they are gathered there not for what we consider the Christian celebration of Pentecost, 
before the Jewish celebration of Pentecost, which was a harvest festival. Shavuot was the, is the name of it. And still today, it is a festival celebrated by our Jewish siblings. Now, I'm going to count on y'all to tell me if something else catches on fire up here. Because I'm not going to look back at it. But maybe I'm just going to count on y'all to tell me if anything is catching fire in this space. Jesus had promised the arrival of the Holy Spirit as he, he ascended to God. And uh, right on cue, the Holy Spirit, she arrives right on time. The scene is spectacular and chaotic, That, as we just heard. There's some violence in it, like the rushing sound of the wind invoking the creation story in Genesis, the breath of God. And the scene uh, also then talks about divided tongues as a fire. Not a fire that destroys, but a fire like Moses encountered in the wilderness, a tree that burned but was not consumed. And it means that these events that are related in, at the Pentecost story reflect the story in Numbers when God's spirit spreads the burden of leadership among 70 elders to support the work of Moses. And it means that the story of Pentecost reverses the ancient cur curse of the Tower of Babel in which an arrogant humanity believing themselves to be God themselves try to build a tower with its top in the heavens and God scatters them and diversifies their languages. But here in our Pentecost story, instead of humanly presumptuous people ascending toward heaven on a tower that they have built, God graciously descends to earth. And instead of humanity fragmenting our language, the Spirit brings our languages together so we can bridge our divides so we can understand each other, connect with each other, and belong to each other. Now, just because the Holy Spirit comes doesn't mean the challenges of our living goes away. You know that. In our social and political moment, we need a Pentecost. Division, hatred, and pain mark our nation. It has to do with people rejecting Im immigrants and refugees which is so counter to the original founding of our country, where people who were fleeing problems and coming to this nation because they wanted a better life were welcomed by a woman statue that stands in the middle of the New York Harbor. We know that guns in this country and death in our schools and public places have created great crises for us and fear. We know that racism permeates our systems of policing and criminal justice and so much more. Professor Carrie Day, who is a professor of theology at Princeton Theological Seminary, says this political moment is colored by a complete loss of mutual understanding and civility, causing many people to feel resigned to the status quo. That's true and hostility and bigotry still persist, even in Christian churches, especially white Christian churches that don't understand their privilege. And, um, and it's fascinating to me how many 
Christian churches have given themselves over to a political culture. And while protesting and saying, politics don't belong in church, all of this fuels a culture of doubt and fear. And we know that, don't we? We're living in it, we've lived in it, and we're continuing to live in it. Carrie Day continues writing, and people feel a sense of helplessness. These churches tend to embody Babel rather than Pentecost. We need a miracle. We need visions and dreams. And so, still the Spirit comes. Jim Somerville, who is pastor of First Baptist Church in Richmond, Virginia, and the sponsor of a wonderful uh, blog, especially for preachers, called uh, A Sermon Every Sunday. Uh, he collects sermons and, and posts them and video and printed. And He was explaining that every sermon on the website, every, uh, a sermon for every Sunday, is also available on YouTube. And, and what he discovered, of course, is that with YouTube's closed captioning, the sermons are accessible to those who are deaf or hard of hearing or have English as a second language. You know, they, they can read what is being preached. And, uh, and then he said, he got to noticing on YouTube, they also have an auto-translate feature so that if English is not your first language, you can get closed captioning in another language. Do you know that, in fact, you can get closed captioning in 300 other languages. Our 21st century lives, it would seem, that the curse of Babel has been lifted in a very real and tangible way. So that the love of God, the teachings of Jesus, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, through, through, our, through our communication we can understand each other, connect, and belong to each other, and the curse of Babel is no more. And the joy of Pentecost is that we are given visions and dreams for a community made possible through the work of the Holy Spirit. And this miracle involves being open to the shocking and surprising ways of the Spirit who empowers us to reach across differences in order to experience radical new communities. And sometimes we're good at that, and sometimes we're not but we are given the Holy Spirit to help us move toward each other and not away from each other. New Church was birthed 10 years ago in, in our home, Stephanie and City in my home. We were a motley little crew. <laughs> Since then, we have had five church homes. We have never owned property in order to focus on our community and our ministries without being hindered by debt and mortgage. We've done that purposely. We built four water wells in Kenya. We have cared for countless school children, giving them backpacks and Christmas gifts. The homeless we have cared for as we've given out literally hundreds of blessing bags filled with food and supplies to meet needs of people who are uh, unhoused, and most recently given them 27 pairs of new and gently used men's shoes. You would have thought I had brought in a bucket of gold. 
And when churches closed for COVID, we continued to offer passionate, meaningful worship through the internet, and we loaned out our video equipment and Kelly Vaughn a bear once a week to help Greenland Hills United Methodist Church stay online. And now, here we are again, awaiting the coming of the Spirit. Again, as our on-site worship attendance has dwindled some in a post-COVID lockdown world, we need a Pentecost again. Did you know that most churches today are experiencing a decline in on-site worship attendance? Why? Well, because people got out of the habit of worshiping during COVID. COVID made it and continues to make it uncomfortable for some people to come out in public. And it's not safe still. And the threats of violence only add to that discomfort. But it is really that we got out of the habit. And, you know, I told you last week that people who specialize in getting people to develop new good habits say that it takes right at about six weeks, 40 days. Does that sound familiar? 40 days of Lent, 50 days of Easter, and now here we are at Pentecost. But did you know also that most new church starts in the United States today don't make it beyond seven years? So it would seem that just like the story of the little engine that could, do you remember that story? The little engine was called upon when the big engines couldn't bring the toys over the mountain to the children. The little engine that could, she said, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And when cresting the mountain said, I knew I could, I knew I could, I knew I could. We are the little church that could. Small enough to know your name and big enough to make a difference. We think we can, we think we can, we think we can. And with the presence and gifts of the Holy Spirit, we can, we can take up the Pentecost refrain. We know we can. We know we can. We know we can. A colleague of mine, Reverend Molly Basket, is pastor of First Congregational Church in Berkeley, California. In 2016, a devastating fire started on the roof of First Congregational Church of Berkeley, destroying the congregation's 95-year-old Pilgrim Hall and scorching the sanctuary. She said her phone, her text blew up on her phone. There's a fire in the Pilgrim Hall. Oh, now it's on the roof. Oh, now it's crossed over to the sanctuary. She said as she watched the church burn, she prayed that the congregation wouldn't remember the sermon she had preached six months earlier about how God longs to set the church on fire. <laughs> Metaphorically, of course. She had preached that God sparks controlled burns in order to pare away that which does not serve her purposes, to free up space and energy for new directions. And so God did. Since then, First Congregational Church of Berkeley, California has put up an energy-efficient, light-filled community center and have decided to add affordable housing to their campus as well. And then she says, we will never be fireproof, but we don't need to be. We just 
need to be ready to burn. At the end of that first day of Pentecost, the church that began as 120 followers had grown to 3,000. And if them, why not us? We just need to be ready to burn. Oh, can you feel it? Heaven is reaching. Oh, can you hear it? Our God is speaking. God's got your healing. Oh, just receive it. Receive the freedom. Come like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit, fall in this place. Fill our hearts. Holy Spirit, come like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit, come. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Amen? Amen. Amen.